uh, we are continuing with the series, The Jesus Way, as we have been in uh, for the last uh, several months as we're walking through the scriptures and looking at the life of Jesus and saying, okay, what does this mean for our lives? And I, and I believe that the message this morning is one that every single one of us needs to hear. How many of you are busy? Anybody busy? Okay, we're all busy, right? Life is busy. That's kind of like the, the plague of our culture is that we're always busy. And what happens when you get really, really busy? We tend to get a little stressed out, right? You just feel the, the weight of the busyness and the stress. I saw this uh, quote one time. Uh, it talked about stress. You got that quote there for me? Oh, it'll come here in three, two, one. Oh, there it is. It's just not up there. Great. Yeah, stress burn calories. <laughs> there, my joke went away. It's not on my little screen up here. Great. Yeah, stress burn calories. I'd be a supermodel. Because we all get stressed out. We get concerned with life. We get overwhelmed with life, okay? This is what happens. How many of you know, though, sometimes in life, it goes to the next level? I'm not talking like just your everyday average stress. I'm talking like when it's like, whew. We can't, sometimes we might call those seasons storms. You go through a challenging season. It's just like we sang about it earlier. Like we're going through the storm, man. This is, this is more than I'm used to bearing. You know, I, how many of you, anybody firefighter in here? Any, any firefighters in the house? No. So nobody start a fire, okay? <laughs> we're not safe. Okay, but um, no, but firefighters, if you think about it, firefighters, they go through extensive training. Why? Because what they do when the pressure comes is really important. Here's the fact for every single one of us. How we respond in the storms of life has huge consequences in our lives, has huge consequences in our faith, all right? And so some of you walked in the door this morning, and some of you are in a storm right now. You know it. I've talked to some. I've prayed with three people before this service started in the morning who are walking through a storm. Here's the deal. This is going to be important for you. But I guess if you are not in a storm right now, I have a guarantee for you. You will be, because that's just a guarantee in life. Like storms are just a matter of fact, all right? And when you go through the storms of life, what we talk about this morning could be the thing that saves you, all right? So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. Uh, we're actually, if you've been following along, we're actually stepping back. Uh, we, we already moved past this in the scripture. Micah preached a passage a couple weeks ago, uh, but felt like I wanted to dip into this story here and, and not miss this one, all right? If you don't have a Bible, remember, we want you to bring a Bible every week, and we're going to go through the Word. And so if you forget one, you can borrow one at the high top at the back. Or if you don't own a Bible, it's our gift to you. You can take that, put your name in it. That's our gift to you on the way out the door, okay? Would you stand with me as we're going to read our text here this morning? Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, this is Jesus talking, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you that you want to speak to us this morning. And so, God, we open our hearts. We open our hearts completely to you, Father. We want to receive a word from you, God. So, so take this word and make it specific to every circumstance here. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Any of you like storms? Any of you out there like storms? Okay, Amber and I love storms. Like, we pull up, like, chairs up to the window and, like, make some popcorn and just enjoy the view. Like, I love storms. But my, my seven-year-old does not like storms right now. He's in a season right now where it's trouble. Any of you just don't like storms, kind of get freaked out? We got a friend of ours, and, and when, like, she starts texting Amber every time a storm's coming because she starts freaking out. She's looking at the radar, okay? Whether you like storms or not, storms have a way of getting your attention, okay? They just do. The storms that we experience in our lives do the exact same thing. They have a way of getting our attention. This is the story that we're in. I want to give you a little context for the story that we just read. So uh, just before this, Jesus has been teaching these large crowds. He's been speaking, teaching. It was the message we talked about, the seed, all the different stories about seed. Uh, This was the teaching he had been doing. And it said that later that day, he goes and says, hey, let's get in a boat. Let's cross the Sea of Galilee, go to the other side. The passage after that is what Micah preached two weeks ago where Jesus encounters this demoniac and and he sets him free and has his life totally and radically changed, right? And it showed that that Jesus had power and authority over the spiritual world. But this moment here, Jesus wants to teach him something else, that he's got a different type of authority. And so it says they're going to cross the Sea of Galilee. Has anybody ever been to Israel? Raise your hand if you've ever been to Israel. A couple of you have been to Israel, all right? If you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee, this is what the Sea of Galilee looks like. It's absolutely uh, beautiful. You got a picture there? All right, this is the Sea of Galilee. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it's, it's an, the word sea is a little confusing. It's more like a lake. <laughs> it's like 13 miles uh, tall. It's only about 8 miles wide. And it's completely surrounded by these kind of rolling hills and mountains, Okay. And so what happens is that the waters, if, if there's not huge winds and storms, it's actually very peaceful. I went out on the water, and it was just like glass. It's not like an ocean that's always moving. It was just completely still and peaceful, okay? But what can happen is when storms come across uh, this, it, what happens is the winds will start to rush down the mountainsides. And it says that in, in a very quick moment, the, the waters can start turning over, and it can get really bad really fast, all right? And this is what has taken place. These disciples are out on the boat with Jesus, and suddenly the winds have come on. It's got really bad, really fast, all right? But hear this. Seven of the 12 disciples were fishermen, all right? So they were used to this. This was not like, whoa, surprise. We've never been through this before, right? They've experienced the the rough waters before, but this one was a little different. Something about this one got their attention. Have you been there before? You've been through a tough season before. You've gone through heartache before. You've gone through a challenge before. But this one's a little different. You've never been through one like this. You're not exactly sure what to do this time around. This is where the disciples are at. And and Jesus, of all places, we read the story. Where's Jesus at? He's in the back of the boat sleeping. It's like, okay. How many of you have that friend in life that they can sleep anywhere? Maybe you're married to that person. I am. <laughs> okay, she can sleep. She falls asleep all the time. And she's, she's asleep. Like, I, 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 it drives me crazy sometimes. But Jesus is in the back of the boat. What? The disciples are like, hello? Do you care? Right? If you got your notes, turn the back of your bulletin. You got your notes. I want you to follow along this morning. The first point in your notes is this. We need to recognize this. It's that storms challenge our faith. 
Storms challenge our faith. It's just true. You know, sometimes we want to deny this. We want to say, oh, no, 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 I'm mature. I'm a mature believer. I don't ever have my faith challenged. I'm rock solid all the time. Never have an issue. Listen, the fact of the matter is storms challenge our faith. It's just how it is, right? We can try to cover it up. We can try and put a mask on and act like everything's okay. Just pretend like, no, I got it all. I'm good. I'm good. No problems. We're good. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. But listen, the fact is storms challenge our faith. It's just how it is. Why is one of our core values around here that we embrace the struggle? It's for this reason. Because we need to embrace the struggle of life. The fact is sometimes life is hard. We don't have to deny that to follow Jesus. It's true. Okay? And in the same way, we embrace the struggle of faith. Because listen, faith isn't always perfect. Faith isn't always, I've got it all together and it's working out great. No, sometimes we struggle. If you read your Bible, the people that you look in Scripture as the greatest heroes of faith, they struggled at times. It's okay. Like, it's okay. Storms challenge our faith. But sometimes we feel like we got to fake it, right? This happened to me when I was in junior high. Uh, I've said this before, I was never a large guy, right? Never a big guy. I know that's shocking to you guys. But when I was younger, I was in a baseball, uh, in a league, and it was seventh through freshman year. That was in this league playing baseball, okay? But it, depending on where your birthday landed, you could be a sophomore and still be in this league. And we played, went up against this team, and their pitcher was one of these guys. He was a sophomore, but he wasn't just any sophomore. He was such a good pitcher that he was actually a starting pitcher for the varsity high school team. And I was in the seventh grade, okay? So, so I step up all like 80 pounds of me, you know, up to the bat, you know? And I step up, and this guy's got a 5 o'clock shadow, and I'm up here like, this is not going to go well, okay? It's just heads up, all right? So the first pitch comes, and it's like, yeah, this is, I'm just going to take three strikes, and we're going to just be done here, okay? All right, so get up next pitch, all right? And I'm sure it's because he was intimidated by my body. <laughs> step up. Boom, he beans me in the arm. And I'm, I'm like 80 pounds. I'm little guy, okay? And, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, I want to go lay down. I want my blankie. That's what I want, right? And I can feel, you've been there before. I, I could feel the tears starting to well up in my eyes. You know, I'm like, oh, it hurts. And then I have this thought, everybody's watching me, right? <laughs> Everybody's looking. And so I did what some of you have done before. And I went, and I tried to suck the tears back into my face, you know. I'm good. I'm good. I'm like this. So I, I you know, I run up to, I run up to first base. I'm like, oh, I'm just like, I don't want to be here. And I take my lead, you know. No joke. First, ch- first chance he hits, boom, he picks me right off. <laughs> and I walk back, walk back. I'm, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I want to be done. Right? Why? I, I, was, I was thinking, I got to put a mask on. I got to fake this thing. I got to pretend like I'm a tough guy, right? You know it. You've done the same thing. He said, I'm going through a tough season. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise Jesus. I've got it all. Listen, listen, we can be honest. Storms challenge our faith, right? Storms have the ability to strip the platitudes away. You know, when everything's going great, oh, thou heavenly father who art great in the highest heavens. We pray like that. Things get hard. We say, God, help me. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do, God. Sometimes it can get even harder. You've been here before. God, I don't get this. God, I don't like this. 
What are you doing? Hello, have you forgotten me? You've been there before. I don't know what to do. God, help me. Help me. Did I go, did I go the wrong direction, God? I don't know what's happening here, God. We can get into these places where, where suddenly it's no longer the fake anymore. We are being real before our God, right? This isn't just an idea to me. I've experienced it in my own life. There's, I remember back, this was 10 years ago, when, when Amber and I, 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 was, I was working at the time, and I get a call, and it's the Egan uh, Police Department says, Mr. Linz. I'm like, yes. They're like, you need to come home right now. And I'm like, why? <laughs> said, there's been a fire at your house. I'm like, how bad is it? Like, we can't tell you that. You just need to get home now. I'm like, okay. I remember driving home like, God, what, what is going on here? Like, we, Amber and I had just taken this step of faith in our life, and I thought, well, we, oh, we should get blessed because of this, and instead my house is burning down? Like, what's going on, God? I don't get this one, right? I remember when, when our second child, Asher, we get, you know, Amber goes in for a visit at 24 weeks, and the doctor's like, you got to get down. This baby's trying to come. And for the next 12 weeks, she's flat on her back. And I'm like, God, what, what's going on? Like, what, what's happening, Father? I don't, I don't get this. I remember when my daughter, Diella, Amber shared this on Mother's Day. When, when, when she goes in, I think it was 30 or 32 weeks, goes in, and she's not feeling well, and she's got this virus. And the doctor says, listen, if the baby gets this virus, the, the baby is either going to be deformed or, or the baby is going to die within a few days. And I remember thinking, God, I don't, what? Like, what, God? Uh, uh, huh? I don't get this, God, right? And, and you go through these seasons, and you just got, I don't understand, Father. I'm struggling here. You know, we, we go through seasons like this, and it's okay to be honest about it. See, the disciples were in this exact place where the, the size of the storm had overshadowed the size of their God. And this is what can happen when we enter storms. Suddenly, this thing gets in front of our faces, and we can't see God anymore because we recognize, man, this thing is just so... They're so up in my face. I don't, can't get beyond it. Now, I love scripture because scripture doesn't hide this. I said there's all these, these great spiritual leaders who had struggles as well in their faith, where they were challenging their faith. But I love David. David's my favorite guy because I resonate with David. Anybody resonate with David? Like you read the Psalms and David's like, what's up, God? Hello. Do you see me? Did you forget about me? What's going on, right? David is honest before God. And that's okay because the truth is storms challenge our faith. And guess what? God's shoulders are big enough to deal with that. Okay? The second truth is the one we need to hold on to, and it's this. It's that Jesus holds all the cards. Jesus holds all the cards. Look what it says in verse 39. It says, Jesus, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet. Be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. I want you to just imagine the circumstance for a second. You remember? What was just going on? The storm was so bad that some experienced fishermen thought they were going to die. Okay? This isn't your average moment. This is chaos and crazy and overwhelming. And you've been there in your life. This thing is going on. And in a moment, right? crazy and my guess is that eerie calm that they were experiencing was like a silent exclamation point about the majesty of who Jesus really is right like I've got power you guys don't even understand I've got authority over everything right 
Look what it says in verse 41. It says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey. And they're, they're talking to each other like, who, who is this guy? <laughs> like, this is crazy. This guy has got more power than I could even imagine. How many of you like to play cards? Anybody like to play cards? Okay. I don't like to play cards. I don't like playing cards. It's not because I don't like cards. I'm just awful at cards, and, uh, and I'm not good at playing cards. And so when I play, I, I, my family didn't play cards much. Amherst does. So when I play, I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with these cards. Like, I'm just confused most of the time, okay? But there is one specific game that I do like to play. Maybe you've, uh, you made it and don't play it. It's a little bit of a highbrow game. It's called Go Fish. Anybody play Go Fish before? Okay. <laughs> I like Go Fish. Go Fish. I like Go Fish because it's really simple and it's easy and I understand the rules. And also, I'm not much of an outdoorsman and it makes me feel better when guys ask me, hey, do you fish? I'm like, yeah, I go fish. That's what I, that's what I do. So, um, <laughs> thanks for laughing at my dumb jokes, guys. It makes me feel good. <laughs> thanks. Getting a witness out there. That's great. Okay. Anyways, back to Go Fish. <laughs> okay, what I... When I play Go Fish, you know, the rules are super simple, right? It's like I got my cards. I'm like, do you have a seven? Yes, I have a seven. Thank you. I will take your seven, right? I need a six. Do you have a six? No, I don't have a six. I have to go fish now, right? And this is what it was like with Jesus. They knew Jesus had some of the cards. Jesus had the card that said, I can turn the water into wine card. He had that card. He was the fun guy at the party, right? They knew I had the, I can, I can heal the sick person card. He had that card. He said, I, I can raise the dead person card. He had that card, but they just weren't sure if he had this card. I want us to look at a, a passage out of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 says this, For in him, being Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Jesus holds all the cards. Is there something that you need? You don't have to say, I don't know if you got this card, Jesus. He's got them all. Because some of you walk in the room this morning and you need authority. You need power. You need that because you don't, you don't have it. Listen, Jesus has that card. Okay? Some of you walked in this morning and you're struggling in your resources, maybe you've lost a job, maybe you're in a tough season, and you would say, man, I, I need that. Listen, Jesus has that card. Some of you walked in this morning, and you don't know what to do. There's a circumstance in your life, and you just need some wisdom. Let's, guess what? Jesus has that card for your life. He has everything that you could possibly need. Some walked in the room this morning, and you need grace. You need mercy. You need forgiveness because you've been walking the wrong direction, and you know it. And you walked in the door this morning, and you're saying, is there hope? Guess what? Jesus has that card for you this morning. All right? Some of you are like, you just need comfort. You, you need someone to hold you. You need peace in your life because you're feeling overwhelmed in your world right now. Guess what? Jesus has that card for you this morning. And some of you walked in the door this morning and you're just like, the world is shaking and all you need is a firm place to place your life. A firm rock to stand on. Guess what? Jesus has that card for your life. He is a foundation that is firm that we can stand on. 
no matter what the storm is, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what you're sensing inside, Jesus has that card. He is a hope for every single one of us. All right, so what? All right, what do we do with this? Storms, they challenge our faith, okay? What do we do with it? Here's a big so what this morning. Storms test us, not God. Storms test us, not God. Listen, Jesus got all the cards. He's got all the power, okay? These storms, they test us. We get into these seasons sometimes, and, and we say things like, God, do you see this? Like, can you do anything about <laughs> Listen, God is not surprised. God is not overwhelmed. God is not in over his head. God is not sitting there saying, I don't know what to do with this right now. No, no, no. God is totally in control. Storms test us, not God. Storms are one of the crucibles in our life that allows some things to get exposed in us. Look at the disciples. Verse 40. Look what Jesus says to them in verse 40. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, the storms had exposed something in the disciples. It wasn't the questioning that Jesus reacted to. Do you notice this? It was their fear grounded in a lack of faith. He's saying, guys, I don't understand it. He wasn't saying, listen, the storms aren't that big, guys. You need to relax. The storm's not that big. What was he saying? Don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? See, you, you trusted me when I called you, and you left everything for me, right? You trusted me when, we, when I'm walking around teaching. You trusted my words, but now suddenly the storms and the pressure come, and, and you're not trusting me anymore. It's like you've forgotten to trust me. Right? This is why we need to recognize storms test us, not God. Because there's something that happens when a storm comes. There's something that occurs. There, there is what we see and what we view of who God is. And then there's our circumstance. And sometimes there's a gap between that. You ever experienced that? And hear this. What we place in that gap has huge consequences for our relationship with God. This principle is true with people, but we're going to talk specifically with God. When there is a gap, something's going to get put in that gap. The question is, what are we going to put there? Right? Sometimes we put fear in that gap. We say, God, I don't know. I don't know. Are, are you going to come through? I don't know. That fear can turn into worry at times. We put worry in the gap, and we're just stressed out about this stuff. Right? Sometimes we put ourselves in the gap and say, I'm just going to figure this thing out myself, right? Sometimes we get overwhelmed and we can get to the point where we get frustrated with God. And, and that's okay, but if, if we're not careful, that frustration can turn into anger. And we get angry at God and we say, God, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I can trust you anymore. And that anger sometimes can turn to resentment, can turn into bitterness. And you're like, God, I can't trust you. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm walking away from you, right? If we put anything else in this gap, causes a problem in our relationship. Jesus says, if there's one thing I would want you to put in that gap, it's this. Would you put trust in the gap? Would you put trust in the gap? Now, I get this. 
This feels like a really nice Sunday school lesson, right? Just trust Jesus. Just trust Jesus. You're probably saying to me, Greg, you have no idea what you're talking about. You've not been through stuff. <laughs> I get it. I'm not going through your stuff. I haven't. I can't, I can't talk about your stuff. I can talk about my stuff, right? Like I've been through the stuff that I dealt with with my kids is, is probably the most painful stuff, but the most long-enduring thing has, for me has been my physical body. Um, and many of you probably are already aware of this. Maybe you're not, but I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease nine years ago, okay? And so this, this principle is not theory to me, okay? This isn't just something I'm telling you that this is a good idea for you and we'll see if it works. This I've lived, and I know what impact it's had on my own heart, Okay? Nine years ago, I, was, I went through a season for three months where I was just in severe pain. In some of the most pitiful circumstances that I could imagine where I felt so vulnerable before my own wife because of what I was enduring, there, there was times where I've been, I, I can't even explain to you the circumstances I've been in where it's just been pathetic. And I've been just down to just t- crying and, and tearing up, laying in a ball, you know? And saying, God, I don't get this. I know what it's like to be sitting and, and just crying and saying, God, I, I don't want this. I believe that you can heal me, but I'm not healed yet. I can, I can go back to an altar. And Micah was there. This was a few years ago at a, at a prayer retreat. And I'm on my knees crying out and saying, God, I am your son. And you said I could ask for stuff. And I believe you're my healer. I'm asking, would you give me a good gift? And would you heal my body? Right? And I stood before him, and there's a gap. And I stand before you today as I'm in a good season, but I don't stand before you as one who's been healed. And I don't get it. So I know what it's like to stand in the gap. And what Jesus would say is, if there's a moment where you experience a gap, there's just one thing I'm asking that you would put in there. Would you put trust in the gap? Would you say, God, I trust you. I don't get it, but I trust you. I don't like it. But I trust you. It's the only thing we can put. The only thing that will allow this relationship to grow. Because we have a choice. We can either turn away from God or we can say, God, I don't get it, but I'm coming toward you. I'm walking toward you. It's like the disciples. The disciples, at one point they said, Jesus, you're kind of talking about some crazy stuff. And he's like, what, are you guys going to leave me too? And they're like, where are we going to go? Like, where are we going to go? My only hope is in you. I know what it's like, okay? I know the pain. I know what it is to cry yourself to sleep. I know those things, right? I'm not belittling your pain. I'm not belittling those things that you are enduring. I'm simply saying this, that in the midst of the storm, we have one choice. What are we going to put in the gap? Some of you here this morning, You've been putting everything else in the gap, but you haven't been saying, God, I trust you. Hey, sure, you show up to church because that's the nice thing to do. You say, God, I'm going through hell right now, but I choose to trust you. I'm going to trust you, God. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how big the storm is. What matters is who's in your boat. And Jesus is with us. We can be honest about that, okay? I want to talk to us just as a church, just for a moment, okay? Because this is something that we as the church, Big C Church, we 
haven't always got well. Because we can create an environment at times that makes people feel like they can't be honest about where they're at, right? Like you gotta walk in and you gotta fake stuff, right? Just walk in and just put on your church face and we'll be good. Dear God, that's not good for you, that's not good for me, and that's not good for a broken world who needs some people to be real. Could we be a church that says, you know what? We're gonna embrace this struggle. We're gonna be honest. We're gonna be raw. We're gonna be real. We're gonna recognize that we don't have it all together and that's okay. Because our hope isn't in us. Our hope is that we, we clean ourselves up well. No, our hope is in Christ. Our hope is that he is more than enough. And he is. Some of you came in this morning and you're in that storm. You're in the midst of that storm. I'm asking you, would you say, Jesus, I trust you. Not Jesus, I like this. Not Jesus, I want this. Not Jesus, I would choose this. Okay? Because when we say, Jesus, I trust you, here's what we're saying. We're saying that we believe scripture when it says that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And here's the promise. Here's what happens when we do this. Proverbs 18.10 says this. It says that the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. When we run to Jesus, not run away from him. I'd say, God, I can't. No, I want to run to you. It's like running into a fortified tower that protects you. And here's what happens. He guards you. I love this passage of Philippians chapter 4. It says, we bring all of our, our cares, all of our worries, our, our pains, everything that we're struggling, we bring it to God in prayer. And what happens? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know what happens? You've experienced this. Some of you have experienced this. You've been in a horrible circumstance and you still don't know how you're getting out of it, but you present your request to God and it's like he sets an armed guard around your heart saying, this heart is mine. I'm protecting this heart. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. It doesn't mean everything's better. It doesn't mean that Jesus ties a nice little bow on your life and everything's perfect. It's saying, God, I don't care what the end result is. My trust and my hope is in you. Can we do that? Would you bow your heads?